1: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of the Pitch to Contact podcast, part of the Twins Talk Network. I'm your host, Ben Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Kuh. John, do you have a favorite Joe Maurer memory?
0: Uh oh, that one's it's weird because like when he was playing, obviously like we were, I was growing up, and so yeah, all the memories kind of blend together. Um, but I think the one that always stands out is my mind is his last game as a twin. Um, oh, and yeah. he comes out in the ninth inning with his catcher gear on and, and catches basically the last inning of his career, and I think that was to me the most fitting end that the Twins could have ever given him, uh, because I mean obviously the the you know signing the contract and then only playing a couple years afterwards at catcher moving to first base and mm-hmm. kind of just being like an average first baseman um i mean still still a good hitter for sure but you know maybe not the first prototypical first baseman that everyone during that time in, in major league baseball was having uh but seeing him suit up in the catcher gear for his his last inning of professional baseball i think is always a yeah. Always gets me uh, the during the, at the game then they played that highlight, I was, uh, I was kind of brought back to that time again. And it's just uh, one of those really special moments that you're just happy that he gets to experience.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't get emotional a lot, but the Joe Mauer thing really got to me uh, that last game, obviously. And then, then bringing it back for the uh, hall of fame ceremony yesterday. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau. And so I like to include Justin Morneau Mm -hmm. when I say this stuff too, but those two were just such a like formative part of my childhood Mm -hmm. that I'm like, I I don't even know where I'm like, I I don't, I can't imagine my childhood without watching Maurer and Morneau hitting back-to-back every single night, every summer, you
0: know? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely one of those special things that like, yeah, there's the whole, you know, playoff losing streak, you know, issue and whatever, but those, probably, what, eight seasons when they were truly great together. Um, uh, It's tough to kind of remember a better time in, in recent Twins history other than, of course, the, you know, the two World Series wins.
1: Yeah, the uh, what, what I'll be really interested to see is obviously we're talking about Joe Mauer's uh, retirement ceremony or the Hall of Fame ceremony that he had uh, this
0: last Saturday, which was super cool to see. I think uh, I was there in person. John, were you able to make it to that one as well? I did. Yeah, it was kind of annoying though because uh, I was trying to get there early because I thought they would be doing some of the Hall of Fame stuff earlier in the day, and then it turns out no, it's not happening till six. So, so <laughs> well, I guess we've got to bum around the ballpark for about an hour and a half doing nothing. <laughs>
1: um get get a few beers hang out you know pretty much um,
0: yeah
1: but yeah it, it was a super cool ceremony to be at i i thought it was a little uh maybe a little underwhelming but if for only the reason that he had his jersey retired already right and like to me i'm like that's that's a much bigger honor than the hall of fame right the jersey yeah. retirements are much smaller than the twins
0: hall of fame and so, right i had to um, i had to like check myself because i was like I wasn't 100 percent sure if they'd retired his number because i was like why are we doing a hall of fame isn't he already in the hall of fame by having his, yeah. his jersey retired no dude, i know i no. did not think
1: we needed two separate things yeah. here but any uh Any opportunity to honor Joe Maurer is always fun.
0: I did did love the fact that they brought out the guy who struck him out. The one guy that struck him out in high school. Yeah, that was so funny. I did not see that coming. And I'm like, when he
1: first walked out, I'm like, who is that? I think everybody kind
0: of had the same reaction. And then they explained it and everyone's like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, that that guy, like, no one knows his name. It's, It's Paul Feiner. But, like everyone knows there's one guy that struck out Maurer in in high school, but no one knows who he is or, you know, even what he's doing now, but it was, it was kind of cool for the twins to bring him out. Just, just a funny moment. And Joe still remembers, you know, like, the exact yeah. pitch that that he struck out on, which I think is hilarious.
1: I mean, if I struck out once in high school, I would remember. I remember the one hit I got in high school. <laughs> there so go. it's just the exact opposite. Yeah. But, yeah, but it it was really funny because my wife was there with me, and obviously she doesn't follow the Twins as closely as I do, and mm-hmm. she turned to me and she's like, wait, did he really only strike out once? Like, in all of high school? I'm like, yeah,
0: I know. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: that's why he was number one draft pick out of a, you know, relatively small town in Minnesota. Yep.
0: Yeah. well, I mean small town he was from st paul so there's the, it's yeah, not, i mean small it's it's
1: not a baseball powerhouse yeah, you know i guess i guess he, so. i mean he did
0: go to Crean, so uh, <laughs>
1: that. um yeah but joe mauer good stuff well i'm sure we'll talk about him more uh in the coming weeks he's up for hall of fame mlb hall of fame eligibility next year uh, and i think that'll be a very interesting debate I, obviously we're biased as twins fans i think he's very easily in and i'm going to be very upset if he's not mm-hmm. uh but you never know since he had that such good first half and the back half because the concussions weren't as strong um, you, you could see it go either way but as far as like popularity and impact on the sport, I mean Joe Mauer really put the twins on the map right for just casual baseball fans everybody knew Joe Mauer he was on the cover of video games he was all over commercials he was a really popular guy and so I and mean, then he had you know the best stats ever for a catcher while he was catching to back it up mm-hmm. and so
0: yeah I mean statistically the the seasons where he was playing a catcher were some of the best it's, seasons it's no catcher. doubt hall of famer if you just look at those exactly yeah even if it's you know like what uh probably an eight-year career nine-year yeah. career at catcher um if you just look at those seasons it, i mean yes we're biased it, but you can't count out what is it like five silver sluggers five um batting the, titles the gold, gold glove, glove awards mvp, MVP. yeah yeah it's 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 definitely one of those careers where I would be shocked. I, he's not a first ballot, obviously, but I would be shocked if he doesn't make it at some point. That being said, though, I was talking with John Foley of uh, of, of uh, Tweaky Town and and Pitcher List, and we were talking about how Johan Santana, for some reason, got knocked off the first ballot uh, when he when he was up for the Hall of Fame, and he is, he's he's too young, so. You know any the Hall of Fame in my opinion still has some work to do in terms of their voting ability, but
1: He has two Cy Youngs. He should have won the third. If he would have won the third, he would have been a lock, right? Because there's no three-time Cy Young winner who's not in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And so he would have been in there. And I think there's a similar argument there for Maurer. But when you're playing for the Twins, I mean, I think we have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. But it does really seem like you have a little bit of a disadvantage, right? Joe Nathan didn't even get a second year on the ballot. Mm -hmm. He was the second best reliever of that generation behind Mariano Rivera, right? right? Like, by every imaginable statistical category. Maybe he's not a Hall of Famer, but he definitely should have been on the ballot a few more years, you know? Anyway, now yeah. that we've gotten our uh, <laughs> Twins-related angst out of the way, uh, we'll, we'll re- revisit that more when Joe Bauer's actual candidacy gets closer. But uh, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Let's go over uh, the Twins week, the lot of wins, which was good, uh, refreshing, the one loss. Uh, and we'll start with our weekly snapshot. So the Twins, again, went 5-1 and one last week. They split the series against the Cardinals and then or sorry, they won the series against the Cardinals and then they swept the Diamondbacks uh for a five and one week. They also had the trade deadline right at the beginning of the week, which we talked about on Tuesday. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear our thoughts. But Uh, This week puts them at 59 and 54 for the season. They're first in the AL central. They have a four and a half game lead on Cleveland, which is their biggest lead of the season. So right when the twins have started to play a little bit better, really, if you exclude that sweep against Kansas city, they've been excellent post all-star break, Mm -hmm. just a little blip there against KC, And uh, on the other side, Cleveland has been pretty awful, including another collapse today when they couldn't close out the win in the ninth inning. So puts the twins in a nice position and, Kind of like we've been saying all season, if the Twins can have a few hot weeks, they should pull away with the division fairly easily, even easier at this point after Cleveland sold off some big league pieces to uh, get some prospects. So uh, let's get into the games. Let's start with the Cardinals and game one, which was a win.
0: Yeah, so 3-2 victory, as we kind of discussed on Tuesday already. Um, Pablo Lopez was pitching six innings with four hits, one and run five strikeouts. Pretty much everything was working well for him, even if he wasn't getting any whips. It was also nice to see no walks as well. So just good command overall for Pablo. Um, In terms of the bats, I mean, just another classic Twins win where they barely score any runs. Um, The main guy here was uh, Donovan Solano with uh, a clutch pinch hitting performance for Joey Gallo. Uh, He came in the seventh and got a two-run single. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Solano for uh, basically... Putting the ball in play, which is something that Joey Gallo is more or less incapable of doing for the past few weeks, um, the past two years. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> let, let's be a little kind. He does have outside a, of, the,
1: outside of a hot April to start this yeah, year. Yeah, he
0: does have a one seventy batting average, so he does get some balls in play, I guess. Um, <laughs> Te-
1: literally only technically. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Um, the bullpen made things a little dicey here as uh, Duran gave up a homer in the ninth inning to bring it to three two but ultimately recorded two strikeouts after that to seal the victory for the Twins.
1: And this game basically exactly plays into our complaints at the trade deadline, right? With Duran being overworked, with Gallo being overmatched and probably shouldn't be on the Twins at this point. Uh, But they still got the win, and a win is a win at the end of the day. Donovan Solano came up clutch, uh, doing exactly what you needed to. And if you can piece together Solano and Gallo to be something until Kirilov can come back, you know, you'll take it.
0: I guess it's I guess it's a rough you'll take it but the twins have to so you yeah know, that, that is what it is unless they you don't know, want to pick up something like Trey Mancini or something like that hey Jordan Luplo is right there yeah I guess <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about him in a little bit but yeah game two was a 7-3 loss of course this was was notable because Joe Ryan was the starting pitcher Went four innings with nine hits, seven earned runs, four strikeouts, and four homers. The reason, of course, this was notable was that Ryan revealed after the game that he's been dealing with a groin strain uh, that he kind of, I guess, pulled while he was warming up for his Atlanta game, which was the start right after his complete game shutout. And then in, Atlanta, in that Atlanta game, he gave up, you know, five homers. Uh, it, was a, it, was
1: know. A, it was a month ago, basically. He's been pitching with this for, exactly. for a
0: while. Yeah, and he mentioned how he had to kind of mess with some mechanics and you know, he was getting over the top of his fastball a little bit more. But basically, he's been shelled for the last month uh, in terms yeah. of homers. And he hadn't mentioned this to the team. Rocco was understandably kind of pissed off about this and just, you know, hey, Joe, you got to trust the trainers more. You can't just manage things on your own. Like, this is a reason why we have, you know, these these kind of the staff on this team. Um, since that complete game shutout, he's given up 17 home runs. He's had a 336 average against a 1137 ops against as well so basically uh yeah in those last i think six seven starts uh he's making opposing batters look like mvp candidates um, yeah
1: he's making them look like shohei otani
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so yeah the the funny thing is that he's actually had really solid pitches like his pitches even in this game against the cardinals were decent but with that injury he was giving up more mistake pitches his fastball was giving up more homers, his secondaries were giving up more homers and there was just yeah even though let's just say 80% of the pitches were pretty solid the 20% that missed were missing really badly and and, and opposing hitters were taking advantage.
1: And I think if you're watching it on TV too you can tell with the uh with the splitter and the sweeper especially. Um their break was early, right? And so it, it just looked like it was easy for the uh, for hitters to identify them, Mm -hmm. which made it really easy to just sit on the fastball. You're not seeing any break. Perfect fastball coming in. And if you can identify hit uh, Joe Ryan's fastball, it's coming in at, you know, 91, 92. It's not like you're going to be behind on it. And Mm -hmm. so I I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And it's just, it's a very frustrating situation because Joe Ryan has been basically the worst pitcher in the league since this injury, right? The, The homers especially are the biggest concern, obviously 17 homers over what was it like a six game stretch? Yeah. Something six, like seven that. Game stretch yeah. Pretty much. Something like that. Anyway, that like unfathomable and Joe Ryan's never been a guy to give up a ton of homers. Like yep. if I were him, I would be talking to trainers being like, Hey, this is weird. What's going on. Right. Even if you didn't think you were hurt. And then the fact that he did know he was hurt, like at, at the end of the day, you know, when he's going to arbitration, mm-hmm. I mean, just for one example, all that's going to matter really for arbitration is your baseline stats. Yep. And this is going to hurt him. Right. right. And so, He's still a year away from that, so it doesn't really matter all that much right now, but still, they're going to look at the body of work and this is going to make it worse, right? So whatever perspective you want to look at it from the team perspective, from the just selfish money perspective, th- there's no reason to pitch through an injury like this. And maybe you give it a go for one start, maybe even two starts and say, hey, you know, I think I can manage this. I think you can get it going, but you got to let the trainers know. And when you get these bad results, you can't just keep running out there and putting your team in, in a bad position like
0: this, right? And the frustrating thing, too, was that he had the Ulster um, break in the middle of this. Yeah. So he could have taken like a week off and only, you know, another week off on the IL.
1: Or some time with the trainers to work on a plan to get better. You right. Know?
0: Yeah. Like at, at most, maybe he misses one start or something like that if, if he's really worried about that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Frustrating all around. Uh, of course, when you go up a seven spot, it's, it's kind of tough for the bats to come back. Um, That being said, though, the bats made it harder even for themselves because they allowed Dakota Hudson, who is essentially a nobody. Like, like if you follow fantasy baseball, you probably know who Dakota Hudson is. But let's be honest, no one really knows who Dakota Hudson is. And he had 5.1 no-hit innings. And then Michael Taylor singled in the sixth. And then Willie Castro grounded into a double play. So he basically, like, he faced uh, essentially the minimum. I think he had a couple walks uh, through six innings. But, yeah, it was essentially just terrible performance from the Twins bats. Um Matt Walner did have a three-run homer later in the game, but obviously at that point it's hard to come back from a 7-0 deficit. The other important note here though, from a lineup thing, was that Edward Julian finally what's uh finally was DHing because Buxton was dealing with some injury issues. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh Julian in the DH spot probably is his best position on yeah. the Twins team. Um so uh, it was at least good to see the them put him there.
1: Yeah, since Buxton has been out, it's been interesting to see how they've used the DH position because mm-hmm. I kind of assumed, like everybody, that, oh, it's just going to be Julian out there every day. Right. And he's been in there, I think he was there this day, and he was there uh, today, Sunday. But other than that, he's been out in the field. Uh, or maybe he wasn't DHing today. He but was, either way, yeah, I think yeah, there's been once DH or twice. Yeah. But he's been mostly out in the field. He's used Walner there a few times, mm-hmm. Polanco there. And so um it's been interesting and probably good to get julian some more reps and you
0: know for sure use the dh when you can but also you know it's kind of a balance yep mm-hmm. and it, obviously we want to have him get those reps at second base because it, yeah. it still looks like the twins want him to you know be there for the future although there was a fun tidbit uh, i believe Young park at mlb.com had this tweet where uh, apparently he was taking grounders at first uh kind of for the fun of it uh, the twins didn't ask him to do it or anything. He was just trying it out. So,
1: yeah, the uh, reasoning, the thought behind that, if he actually was taking it there for real baseball reasons is Royce Lewis is due to start a rehab assignment most likely sometime this week. Mm -hmm. And so once he comes back, well then you have three guys for two positions with Polanco, Julian and Lewis uh, third base, second base. Now maybe you can make an argument that Royce Lewis would be better off in the lineup than Carlos Correa at shortstop, but that's not going to happen. So you (laughs) got three guys for two spots and that means one of them is either DHing or if Buxton is back, someone's got to play first base and Mm -hmm. you got to get Gallo out of the lineup.
0: Please. Yeah, I can't imagine that's a tough decision, but the twins are for some reason just really wanting to hold on to Gallo. So, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if you notice this. I mean, well, I'm getting ahead of myself in the Diamondback series, but I don't know if you notice this in the in the few games you were here at home. The The Gallo walk cheers are very <laughs> loud uh, because oh, it's like man. he's doing something instead of like whiffing on three straight pitches. I mean, the the Gallo out, at bats look worse in person than they do on TV. Like
1: <laughs> he looks lost. He's swinging through them all, and like I told I told my wife going in, like I said, she doesn't really know baseball that well, and I told her Joey Gallo, he's going to strike out pretty much every time. Yeah. And I think he struck out. I don't even think he like put a ball in play the entire weekend while I was there. Yeah. It was strikeouts I, and one walk. I think he had, and then he got pinch hit for, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like I I think the I forget it was I think it was Ryan Nelson who was pitching to him on Saturday. I think the, the at-bat was literally, like, five change-ups and one fastball, and he just whiffed on every single change-up. It was, it was incredible. Um, Ryan Nelson, not a strikeout pitcher. No, not at all. I just thought it was funny, like, because, you know, the whole uh, Trevor Larnick and Matt Wallner can't hit breaking balls. Apparently, Joey Callow can't either, so... Joe Gale can't hit anything. (laughs) He's he's swinging through fastballs
1: down the middle. I don't have a lot of faith in the man at the moment.
0: Um, Well, yeah, let's let's maybe not beat a dead horse here and move on to game three. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This was the rubber match of the series, a 5-3 victory for the Twins, getting them the series win over the Cardinals. Sonny Gray was the pitcher here with seven innings, five hits, two earned runs, eight strikeouts, and one homer. Uh, He was basically cruising through the Cardinals lineup. He finished with 770 pitches on the night. It was good to see zero walks from Sonny as well. He's been struggling with of that um, as of late. His slider was especially on point. He only threw it nine times, but out of those nine, four of them ended up as whips. Four of them were called strikes, and one was a ball and play that ended in an out. So, basically, it was a perfect pitch for him uh, on on Thursday. Dan Hayes of The Athletic had a really good tweet here. Uh, basically, people were wondering, like, "How oh, he's only got 77 pitches in the seventh inning. Why don't they let him out in the eighth? Well, apparently Sonny Gray has a sixteen point two ERA after the sixth inning. Uh when he's gone past the sixth inning in five total games this season. And in those five games, he's only recorded ten outs. Uh so uh not great. Um and so for all those fans wondering why Rocco didn't keep him in the eighth, uh, that's why, because he's not good in those in those uh, moments. But it was good to see him go, you know, seven innings of this one and, and pretty much cruise through a lineup that still has a lot of dangerous um Dangerous power, you know, yeah. Goldschmidt, Arenado, Jordan Walker. Uh, those guys are definitely not bad baseball players, but he shut them down pretty well in the start. Yeah. I mean,
1: the biggest thing for Sonny was that he was throwing strikes, right? And sometimes it's as simple as that. He wasn't walking a ton of guys on base because that's when you really see those big innings happen for Sonny is mm-hmm. okay, you walk one guy, you give up a bloop single, you walk another guy, now it's bases loaded, no nobody out, right? And we've seen that so many times from him that it was nice to see good Sonny back kind of more like he did for look more like he did for the first half and uh make it through those seven and i also think it was a very good move to just pull him after that mm-hmm. uh, even if he was only at 77 because again i don't trust him at all after the fifth inning right yeah, and yeah. so like uh, to the point where if we're in a playoff series i'd be pretty surprised if uh Sonny gray is out there in the sixth. you know pretty much regardless of how he's looking
0: yeah well it kind of depends on the bullpen maybe but <laughs> yeah
1: that that's true too
0: Yeah, well, so the the big news here, obviously, was that this was Sonny's first win since April 30th um, because uh, the Twins, for some reason, weren't giving him enough uh, run support while he was pitching. Uh, So I thought that was surprising, although also wins are just a bad pitcher stat in general. But, you know, interesting tidbit here. Uh, Mainly, the offense came from uh, Ryan Sheffers and Michael Taylor. Both of them had two run homers in the second inning, uh, basically giving Sonny a four run cushion. Um, and so that was, that was good to see at least from the offense that they got something going. Uh, and then with the relievers, uh, the only thing of note here was Duran kind of had another shaky appearance. He did get the save, but ultimately also gave up two hits and a run to bring it to five, three, nothing really to worry about, but he has been a little less dominant, uh, as of late, um, nothing again, nothing to truly worry about, but he has been giving up runs and homers just here and there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's like, we've been saying all season, as long as Ryan Jeffers and Michael A. Taylor start hitting the offense is going to be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's definitely the secret to unlocking this, this offense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So they finished that Cardinal series two one, uh, getting a series win there, which is good to see. And then they came home to the diamondbacks. Uh, game one was a three, two victory. Bailey Ober, was started uh, five innings, six hits, two runs, uh, but only three strikeouts. Uh, he was laboring in this one. Um, good to see the Twins let him go over 100 pitches, but he only got five innings. So, um, you know, not the most efficient start. The fastball and slider combo was doing really well. Uh, he just, for some reason, just wasn't able to get those strikeouts. It's um, Just tough to see. But honestly, a decent Bailey Ober start. I think right now all we want for him is to keep it close, and he did that for five innings.
1: Here's my main takeaway from seeing Bailey Ober in person for the first time. Uh, even taller in person, I was sitting right behind the uh, twins dugout, and he was still taller than me while I was up in the
0: stands. So. <laughs> yeah, he still only has a 92 mile number of fastball for some reason, though. Crazy. I don't it, really
1: get how it works. I, it, I don't. Really... Here's the thing. I know a
0: lot about baseball. The
1: like whole mechanics of pitching and yeah. how to like use your body and everything completely baffling to me i don't understand that part of it at all but i also did not do very well in like my high school biology classes so that probably <laughs> checks out
0: yeah i think bailey over for his high like doesn't have a really high release point for his fastball and that usually results in a little bit lower velocity but it works for him so i'm not going to complain too much about this yeah, i mean
1: the other thing that helps too is when you're that tall you just naturally get a lot of extension which makes the ball seem faster yeah so.
0: exactly uh the the bats of course in a 3-2 victory pretty quiet. Uh, all the offense came from three solo shots from Jorge Polanco, uh, Max Kepler, and Michael A. Taylor. Um, yeah, Max man. Kepler is back. <laughs> That's what I have to say about the Diamondback series. Yeah, it he kind of proved it in this this series. Um, and uh, it's yeah, we'll talk about the other two two games for him. But oh man, the, the Kepler train is is getting ready to leave the uh, the station, and it's hard not to get on.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the Jorge Polanco, uh, home run was good to see too. Just since he's been back from the injury list, there hasn't really been any, anything from him, any offense, really nothing consistent. He had that, uh, double in his first game back to tie the game late. He had this home run, but it's been really inconsistent. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the Jorge Polanco we all know is getting, you know, singles, doubles, uh, home run every now and then, right. He's not gonna be a 30 home run guy, but mm-hmm. he's putting the ball in play and he's, uh, you know, driving in runs. And so, a good step in the right direction. Hopefully, as he's working back and getting a little bit healthier.
0: Right. And shout out to Michael o. Taylor as well, with, with having yeah. a little bit of a home run resurgence as well. Um, yeah. Anything you
1: get out of him is kind of an added bonus in my mind, right? Pretty much. He's hitting ninth in every game he plays.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. So any offense from him is good. Uh, with the relievers, uh, the only the main thing I want to note here was that because you know Over was only going five innings, they needed you know four uh, four solid uh, innings from the relievers, and obviously a three two game. You gotta gotta have good ones here floral fieldbar Pagan and Duran all pitched in this one uh and just shout out to Emilio Pagan having some good showings I know we we you know gave him a little his flowers a little bit last week but yeah yeah he's been he's been really solid he did give up a run in today's game but that all being said he he's had a really stellar month since the all-star break
1: He's keeping the ball in the park, which has always been the thing for him, right? He has the stuff, Mm -hmm. and basically if he's keeping the ball in the park and if his cutter is well-located, he's going to be a good pitcher. And that's kind of always been the problem with him. Mm -hmm. He's throwing cutters down the middle, and they're getting drilled out of the park. And so he's been doing that, and it's come at a time where they really need it because he's probably you know third in the bullpen hierarchy behind – uh, Duran and Jax. You yep. know, it's pretty much Hammer or Theobar after that. Thielbar is working back from an injury and so they've needed him to step up with Brock Stewart being hurt and you got to give him credit. He has and if he keeps this up, the Twins might re-sign him.
0: Oh boy and uh, we might actually be feel positive about that too. I, I know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> well we'll give it another uh two months here before the end of the season. I though. guess. I'm like having legitimate like Worries that it's going to be like the eighth inning in Game Two of the Wild Card Series, and Emilio Pagan is going to be protecting like a three-one lead. And I'm just like, for some reason, I feel confident about that. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want to feel confident about Emilio Pagan like pitching. Here's the that. the sort of I, I said a
1: couple weeks. I said a couple weeks ago that the the key to Emilio Pagan is you can't acknowledge that he's pitching well because as soon yeah, as you exactly. do, that's when he has a blow up, right? And right. I've acknowledged it for multiple weeks, and he gave up a run today. But honestly, it was not even, like, a like a that bad situation. Run.
0: Yeah, like I'll talk like, about it a bit, but it, it's actually kind of an impressive outing for him today.
1: He's he's looked better than. John Duran has so you know take that for what
0: it's worth yeah well uh, <laughs> well yeah we'll see next week I guess Emilio Picard is a is a week-to-week sort of a guy right yeah. now but uh yeah game two we talked about this already a little bit this was a 12-1 victory though of course the most notable thing about this night was it was Joe Maurer Hall of Fame night uh ultimately yeah fun time with the festivities beforehand uh Dick Bramer was kind of the the MC Justin Morneau gave a little bit of a uh, speech before um mauer took the stand and uh yeah Maurer's i thought induction speech was pretty solid and uh just had a lot of you know good memories throughout that entire um ceremony yeah for sure it was
1: the other thing i thought was funny was the camera kept on going over to his kids obviously oh, yeah. right <laughs> and and the the twin girls i don't remember their names but they were clearly told just to like make sure you're smiling the whole time so the whole time they just kind of like look like they have like little crazy eyes going on they're like (laughs) smiling super big at the camera every time it was very cute yeah
0: i feel so bad for like kids in those situations where it's like you have to be on your best behavior but you know i know
1: and the whole state of minnesota is watching right exactly (laughs)
0: yeah um yeah it was also good to see some of the uh twins greats um in the park as well so
1: uh, I'll tell you what Brian Dozier and Trevor Plouffe they both look like they could still be playing. They're like they're they're fit. They look young. Like I'm like, hey, listen, you're both righties. Can one of you come and play <laughs> first base and hit some lefties? Like, come on, Dozier didn't retire that long ago. You know, you never know.
0: Yeah, Plouffe probably feels probably good in his media job now with John Boy, but um, that's true. I'm sure Dozier would uh, would come up for a little bit. We'll see.
1: I did I did see a tweet and I can't remember who this was from, and so it's probably fake news, but. Um, <laughs> They're talking about Joe Maurer and they're like, okay, now that enough time has passed, I can say, you know, I have a reliable source yeah. that the twins offered a spot on the roster to Joe Maurer in 2019. Basically they were so bad for the last, you know, six, seven years of oh, his yeah. time in Minnesota, uh-huh. like almost like a gesture of goodwill. To be like, Okay. Hey, we're going to be in the playoffs. We're really good. Second sure. half we'll sign you to a contract. You can come back. Yeah. And Joe turned him down. Um, so who knows if that's real, but I think that would have been a really, a really cool, really fun story to uh, have Joe Maurer on one last
0: good team. That would have been fun. Yeah. I mean, the bomb that that would have been a fun like bomba squad. Imagine like Mauer there with like ten homers and like eighty games. That would have been pretty I cool.
1: mean, with with the way the ball was flying, he very well could have hit like fifteen homers in the second half. You yeah, know?
0: and maybe, uh, well, I'm not going to say maybe Mick Snow doesn't pop out to you know lose game three, but um, you know <laughs> may, maybe that that series turns out a little bit better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot of like getting into baseball shape that he probably wasn't looking forward For sure. to that he would have had to do. Yeah, but.
0: right. I mean. It's either him or Miguel Sano at first base, and let's be honest, Miguel. Twenty
1: nineteen Miguel Sano was, was very hitting good. the
0: crap out of the ball. So. He was
1: very good. But that being said, uh, a DH platoon of CJ Crone and Joe Mauer. Not the worst thing. Yeah. That, anyway, that fun hypotheticals. Fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, moving on to the actual game, uh, Kenta Maeda started this one, six innings with two hits, one and run, seven strikeouts. Basically, other than a homer to Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who was having actually a great series uh, yeah. against uh, the Twins. He was also the one who hit the homer off Ober in game one. Um, yeah, Maeda was essentially perfect. He gave up another hit, uh, but no walks. Uh, just a really, really solid performance from him. Uh locating his secondaries really well, getting guys to whiff on both the slider and the splitter. Um, Basically, since he's returned from IL, uh, which I think is, uh, I think it's like seven starts. He has a 2.47 ERA, a 0.98 whip, 34% strikeout rate. And even though, you know, the twins are kind of limiting him to like, you know, at most 90-ish pitches, he's managed to go five plus innings in all but one start. So um, just, yeah, really solid. He's essentially been the ace of this rotation in the last month just in terms of his stability um he might not have like the eye-popping numbers that someone like joe ryan might have but he's been mr consistent yeah for the last month and a half essentially
1: yeah it's basically like him and joe ryan have switched bodies since he came back where now joe ryan can't throw and kenta's great you know one of these days we'll get everybody clicking all at once yeah It is nice to see Kenta, you know, kind of return to form, right? He's looking like 2020 Kenta out there, and 2020 Kenta was very much helped by only having to face AL Central and NL Central teams, but still, like, he's looking very, very good to the point where, you know, the Twins kind of have to decide after this season – we want to bring back Maeda or Sonny Gray, mm-hmm. which one of them would have more interest in coming back, you know, how you weigh the costs and all the other holes that you're gonna to have to fill in the roster in the offseason. Right. And you know, early in the season is very clearly sunny gray, sunny gray, sunny gray. Well now, you know, I think Kenta Maeda is making a more interesting conversation mm-hmm. uh to kind of round out the rotation with uh Lopez, Ryan, Ober, and then uh
0: Chris Paddock theoretically. Yikes. Um <laughs> yeah, my thoughts on Chris Paddock are well known, but uh yeah, it, it would be interesting because I don't think they offer him a qualifying offer because you're not going to pay my at a twenty million a year. Right, right. But maybe he comes back for like a you know a two year twelve million deal or something like that. I don't even know if you'd have to do that. I like one for eight
1: something like that. You know, might might yeah. do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I but mean, you never know. This this free agent market is so weak that I feel like it might be a little a little weird, mm-hmm. right? Like. Sonny Gray will get the qualifying offer and probably turn it down and probably sign for more somewhere because of how weak the free agents are this year.
0: Yeah, let's assume he still wants to play baseball after this season. But I think, <laughs> I th- I think he will. Money, money's a convincing factor. I, I guess. Uh, in a 12-1 victory, though, the bats showed up in this one. Uh, Edward Julian was the DH. He actually led off in this game 3-for-5 with two runs. So basically what you love to see from your, from your leadoff man uh Jeffers was the man of the night though uh oddly specific obviously he was starting at catcher he was batting seventh in the lineup on Joe Maurer night and he went three for four with two homers and four RBIs total uh yeah basically just was uh I don't know somehow got possessed by the spirit of Joe Mauer in some way in this game <laughs> but yeah he was great uh Michael e. Taylor and Kepler also added homers for the second day in a row and then new twin Jordan Luplow uh, also had a hit in his debut Granted, it was off-backup catcher Carson <laughs> Kelly, but a hit is a hit.
1: A hit is a hit. They all count the same in the score sheet. But, yeah, the, a couple things with these homers. The uh, Jeffers' second one was, I think, about as low as you can hit a ball in target yeah. field and have
0: it be a home run. What uh, I, I'm trying to remember. Wasn't it, like, was it Christian Vasquez or, like, two weeks ago, right? Someone basically hit it off the same spot, but instead of bouncing into instead the Instead of stands, bouncing up and, like, yeah.
1: technically going out, it right. came, like, it came back, just barely right?
0: back in. Yeah, I think it was
1: Christian Vasquez. Yeah. um but yeah basically jeffers got the better end of that stick and then max kepler hit his home run into the uh delta skybox 360 or whatever it's called
0: yeah it was an absolute Uh, bomb
1: yeah one of those ones where it's like there's six players ever that have hit one up there two of them are jake cave and tyler austin so you know (laughs) baseball players are strong and anyone can hit it out there but still it's a it's an impressive feat nonetheless
0: yeah and i think Michael taylor's homer was off the foul pole right yeah yeah Yeah, that's right so So, a lot of kind of very interesting homers in there yeah uh um it was so funny because when kepler hit his homer i was standing next to a dude and he was like oh man my girlfriend just was in the bathroom and and max kepler's her favorite player (laughs) (laughs) and and then they proceeded to have this and then she she got back we told her oh yeah max hit a homer and then she proceeded to he's like he's like Oh, Max Cupper is actually my, my boyfriend, not, not like this guy next to me. And then like immediately he got his face is on the screen and then she goes, Oh, he's so sexy. And I'm like, God, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. I do have some important breaking news though, for anybody who's been following along,
1: uh, I previously have said that Max Kepler is my wife's favorite player because yep. he's attractive, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in person, she was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's it. And so <laughs> her her new favorite is Willie Castro, in case you're wondering.
0: Okay, interesting. We'll see like, how long Interesting,
1: I'm... someone who may not be a twin for long. Right, but...
0: exactly. It's like, we'll see if that lasts till next year. Yeah. Um, with the relievers, I mean, not much to talk about in a 12-1 win, but uh still want to talk about Giovanni Moran because – my goodness. Uh that ninth inning everyone was like pretty much ready to leave the building, but I think yeah. most people were staying because A was Joe Mauer night. You got to stay for one of these and you know, yeah. a 12-1 victory doesn't happen that often. And uh Moran uh proceeded to walk three dudes in the ninth inning. And then I think every time he got a strike, like the crowd was just erupting. And then finally he was facing Jace Peterson uh for the for you know the final out of the game. And uh yeah, probably got the loudest cheers of the night when he struck him out, because uh everyone was like, Thank God we can go home now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was a rough showing. He's had a you know extended stretch here for the last month where his ERA's jumped over five. I think it's closer to six now at this point. And yeah.
0: Moran's been really, really rough. Yeah, it was not pretty, and the twins thought so as well, and they promptly sent him down to triple A, uh, where Rocco basically told him, like, Hey, just throw strikes. Like, you know, don't don't get it in your head too much. Um, and that was kind of the thing because he was actually throwing like decent pitches. They were all just missing the zone, essentially. Um, yeah. And so. But the th-
1: yeah. I think the thing is, when you're up 12 1, it's like, who cares if somebody. Like, I think in that situation, Rocco would have rather had someone hit a home run off of Moran mm. than walk somebody, right? Like, right. you don't want to unnecessarily extend the game. Mm-hmm. And it, when you're in that situation, like, you know, they had. Uh, Jeffers go out to the mound at one point and talk to him. They had Pete Mackey go out to the mound and talk to him. Like, what do you say to him other than, man, just see my mitt? Throw the ball there. Right, yeah. And so I think that's kind of always been the issue with him where he has the good stuff. The fastball change combo is really, really good. Mm -hmm. But when he's not throwing strikes, he's just very ineffective. And if he gets that consistently, he's going to be a great reliever for a long time. Mm -hmm. But without that, you know, he's a fringe
0: roster guy. Right. I did think it was weird that they – didn't just put winder in after the sixth inning. Um, like the twins had, what was it? A 10, one lead at that point. And instead they put in Jordan blazovic for two innings, which, you know, that's fine. Um, but the reason why you have these long relief guys is to throw long yeah. innings when the games don't matter. And so, yeah, I thought it was weird that they didn't put winder in the game, but, Eh, whatever,
1: yeah. He was sent down. Brent Hedrick was called up. Hedrick, who is mostly a starting pitcher slash long reliever, so now you have two of those in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they kind of do the Balazovic thing and try him out in a duo role, right? Where sometimes Balazovic is out there to get one guy out, sometimes he's out there to get two innings, like he was in this game. And mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that you could try with Hedrick and use him a little bit as a lefty specialist in certain spots,
0: but. Bullpen's not in a great spot. Probably would have been nice to pick someone else up, don't you think? Yeah, just maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the final game, 5-3 victory, giving the Twins a sweep. Uh, the notable thing about this was new twin Dallas Keuchel pitched in this one. Five innings, eight hits, one and run, two walks, and zero strikeouts. Uh, pretty much just what you expected from Keuchel, just a lot of ground balls. Um, no strikeouts is a little surprising, but uh, he ha- it hasn't really been a strikeout guy. Uh, he honestly kind of got bailed out by the defense a little bit when you give up eight hits, but only one and run um, and two walks and two walks. Yeah. So 10, ten base, runners. 10 base runners, but had one double play uh, that worked out for him. Willie Castro, I think caught like a, a what, a, basically a shot off Christian Walker's bat yeah. uh, for an out. Um, so, you know, not like a great start. Uh, this is not Cy Young, Dallas Keuchel for sure. Uh, but he did all right. Um, it's hard to say, though, if you know what the outlook going to look like for Keichel. I wouldn't be surprised and pr- surprised to see him take another start with the twins because they are on this you know long 13 game stretch. Ryan yeah. is still on the IL. Uh, arguably, though, Louis Varland. I mean, I know he's struggled a little bit in AAA recently, um, but he's still a really solid guy. He was up earlier this season and in my opinion he's probably better than than keiko i think Keuchel he's 100
1: better than dallas keiko dallas yeah. got five whiffs all game five <laughs> yeah it wasn't it wasn't um, very good um, he, he was very very lucky his fifth in this game was uh four seven his fip was five seven like it it wasn't it wasn't a good start right yeah. he just happened to get lucky and the it's not just that too. The diamondbacks were running all over the twins in this game. They had yeah. a franchise record, eight stolen bases. Yep. And so, um, and I think that's the most the twins have given up since like 1960
0: or something like that. Really? Okay. That's were real. And yeah. so I didn't know the twin side of that, but that's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so it's one of those things where I don't know if it was something about Keiko or something about Vazquez or probably a little bit of both, but they were running all over us and getting hits and getting walks. And so, He'll probably get another start because you're right. There's why not? You Mm -hmm. know, if anything else, I think they'll probably use Louis Varland at some point in this stretch too, but maybe use him for like a game to give everybody else a little bit of a break, push everyone back a day. Yeah. And then I would imagine whenever Joe Ryan comes back, Keichel gets cut. And Mm -hmm. that's probably
0: fair and what it should be. Right. Um, Yeah. There's, I mean, there's no reason for them to keep Keichel on the squad other than we need a pitcher so
1: yeah but I don't know the whole thing has been a little weird to me because yeah you need a pitcher but it's not like you don't have guys that can come up and fill in two starts and Mm -hmm. try to get four or five innings out of them right because yeah you have Louis Varland which is obviously number one but you also have Sammy Woods Richardson and Cole Sands frankly you could throw out Josh Winder and try Mm -hmm. to you know piece together a bullpen game and I think there's somebody else I'm forgetting Brent Hedrick like I was just Mm -hmm. saying he's been a starter mostly at AAA and so it it was a weird ad I think it was mostly just like he has a ERA at 1 in AAA, and so let's see what he can do. And what he can do is not much because he has a fastball that's like 83 miles an hour.
0: Yeah, it, it ain't pretty. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, thankfully, the bats were a little bit better, uh, although they weren't really that great because um, they were facing Zach Gallon, who's basically one of the better pitchers in the NL, um, was kind of in the running for the Cy Young, but fell off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he He's still you know probably a top 10 pitcher in the National League for sure. He struck out eight batters uh, in this one. Did, did give up two runs uh, when Carlos Correa finally did something at the ba- at the base. Uh, sorry, at uh, at the plate uh, and hit a two-run single. Um, and then ultimately they came back in the ninth. They were down 3-2 because of um, a pitch from field bar that we'll talk about in a little bit. And uh, Kepler got a solo shot for his third homer in three days. Uh, and then Matt Walner... Hometown boy, finally uh, finally got a walk-off homer with a two-run uh, shot in the ninth. Uh, ironically, both of these came off Paul Seawold, um, who, if you remember, he had been traded to the Diamondbacks to be their closer. Mm-hmm. Would have been a guy that I would have liked the Twins to target, but the price was a little too high. Yeah, um,
1: for, a, for a 34-year-old, you know, it's he has team control, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have been super happy with giving up some real assets for Seawold.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Diamondbacks traded two uh, Major League players. Granted, those Major League players were... Uh, Josh Rojas, who's been kind of a a utility dude, and then um, Dominic Kenzone, who's like kind of the third outfielder right now. He's a, a he's like a twenty six year old rookie just getting his first exactly. Taste. He's, he's he's not much. He's not truly a major leaguer. And then they had yeah. like another minor leaguer. So it's like you know they basically traded the equivalent of like Willie Castro, Trevor Larnick, and like a a minor league player, right. um, which
1: still is a lot to give up. But you know yep.
0: you can see the logic, right? But then you know on our team. Seawall, you know, slots in as the setup man here essentially. And I don't yeah. know if you would really want to pay that much for for a setup guy. So Yeah. Uh yeah. Anyways, uh turns out trading doesn't always work for all of those um you know, twins <laughs> fans who are clamoring for for Falvey's head. Uh not saying this validates anything, just you know, pointing something out. Um <laughs> the other fun thing, of course, was that Korea grounded into two double plays, just oh uh, god. Yeah, further solidifying his lead at the top of the major leagues for uh uh, for that stat, uh, which isn't that great, but it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> you got.
1: I think you know they tried the leadoff thing. It seemed to like maybe give Correa a little bit of juice for a few games. There, he's been just as bad since then. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, you kind of got to do what you did to Buxton, which is drop him down to sixth or seventh. Right when you have guys like Walner and Kepler hitting this well, and granted, Kepler's been square in the middle of the lineup since he started hitting again, mm-hmm. but um walner especially is a guy where it's like okay at at this point you're probably better off with spotting Walner in at that two or four hole or wherever you're tending to put correa nowadays Mm -hmm. and just letting him get some more of those impact at bats because this last you know three weeks more often than not walner's come through and correa has not yeah and we're you know we're into Well into August at this point, Correa still isn't hitting. Who knows if he ever will this year. I don't think he's washed forever, right? But for whatever reason, something this year isn't clicking, and I don't know if it will.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird, though, because it's like your top three batters, right, are probably Julian, Kepler for for now, and Walner. You're not moving Jeffers up in the lineup, even though he's been great this week right i don't think you
1: want to necessarily put that pressure on the catcher who has tons of other responsibilities yeah
0: mike Lloyd taylor is firmly the ninth hole hitter Yeah, gallo shouldn't be hitting but if he is the eighth <laughs> hole is where you put him uh and so now you're debating where do you mix Willy castro jorge polanco and carlos correa right right and that that's a it's an interesting conversation to have i'm glad i'm not rocco basically this is what i'm saying
1: yeah and i think you know, we've definitely been hard on Falvey, and I think you still could be for maybe letting Walner dominate AAA A for a little bit too long. Yeah. But you do have to give him a little bit of credit here, where look at probably the guys who are the best hitters in the lineup. It's Julian and Walner for sure. Mm-hmm. And Kirloff before he got hurt, right? Yep. Those are three guys that came up through that system that they developed. I was giving them a lot of crap for you guys aren't developing hitters. What's going on here? And those are three of them right there uh, Julian and Wallner, especially, who have outperformed, I think, what was expected of them. Yeah, uh, Julian leaps and bounds, you know, as an 18th round pick or whatever he was. Yeah. Wallner was a first rounder, but still is kind of limited ceiling. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's turned out to be a really good, solid major leaguer with potential to do more. He ran, uh, he beat out a throw to first on a potential double play today. He ran 29.4 uh, feet per second, which is like elite level. <laughs> He's a big guy. I don't it's, know how we got that fast. I wasn't uh, watching yeah. on TV because I'm blacked out here because the diamondbacks are technically oh really uh, in my market. That's but, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't see it, but apparently he got down the line. So
0: yeah. Anyway. I was yeah. watching I was watching him in warmups yesterday, and like he legitimately looked so awkward, like running in warm-ups. I mean, obviously they're not going full speed at all, but he yeah. just looked like a like, like basically a vertical stick trying to run um he looks like he hasn't grown into his limbs yet and
1: he's like 24 or 25 he, whatever yeah is, he's a he
0: has, he's but, a big dude too so yeah. um maybe but, maybe it's the long legs that help a little bit
1: yeah and and this is kind of this is how you have a successful team when Correa has been one of the worst regular hitters in the MLB this year mm-hmm. and Buxton with his crazy hot and cold flashes a really good hot one ironically before he got hurt again yeah. but um this is how you have that good team regardless, is you have guys like Julian and Kirilov and Walner step up and really deliver. You know, of that group, I think Kirilov was really the only one who was actually expected to contribute to the major, major league lineup this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, literally it got to the point where Julian was so good, they made Jorge Polanco switch positions. And likely they're going to trade him in the offseason now because of it, you know. And so it's it's been a really, really good showing from the rookies. Now, if you can just get some of the veterans to step up around them, Jorge Polanco, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, Christian Vasquez, uh, the lineup is going to look pretty freaking good come uh, October.
0: Yeah, one can only hope. Uh, <laughs> I say that a little sarcastically because, you know, the twins are the twins, and October is just never a good month for us. Um, I did want to talk about the relievers in this one just a little bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, they had to do some work with only pitching five innings. Um, I believe uh, with this one, so you know, Floro came in, pitched the sixth. Uh, not much of note here. Pagan did yeah. come in, pitch the seventh. Um, the, he, he did give up a run here, right? So that's a little blip on his his resume. But I thought it was interesting that they actually they they put him in instead of Jax because he was he was going to face he, the four batters he faced in this one. Well, technically five, but the four batters he faced in this one: Corbin Carroll, Tommy Pham, Christian Walker, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Basically that is the heart of the lineup for this Diamondbacks team. And yeah. the Diamondbacks are not like a bad team. They they're one game above 500 right now, but they were leading the NL West for a little bit. Um like the this team has is really good um in terms of hitting. And the Twins were like, "Hmm, heart of the lineups coming up. Corbin Carroll who like if not for the fact that Ronald Acuña Jr is having like the season of his life, could be an NL MVP front runner." Um yeah, he's definitely, definitely the NL Cy Young for sure. Like the, I, mean, I don't think there's anyone gonna beat him in that. And not uh, Cy Young, sorry, I mean, Rookie of the Year. Rookie
1: of the Year, yeah. And he's like he sh- he showed it in this series. He was all over the place yep. uh,
0: this entire series. He was as advertised, which was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, you know, they're best players and they're like, eh, pig on. Yeah, that's the guy we went out there. And uh, yeah, he gave up a run, but ultimately like it could have been a lot worse. Um we've yeah. seen it been a lot worse. So mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that the twins let him do this. Uh, jack got got a little bit of a pickle in the eighth. He gave up two walks, but he did strike out Corbin Carroll, which was which was a good. Like, Jacks was like super pumped up after that strikeout, um, so you know, good to see him get some of that confidence there. And then the game was tied, or yeah, the game was tied um, in mm-hmm. uh, in the ninth inning, and so the Twins ended up sending out Caleb Thielbar. Which is a little unfortunate because he his first two batters that he faced were Tommy Pham and Christian Walker, both were righties and crush lefties. Christian yeah. Walker especially, like one of the best hitters mm-hmm. in the league against lefties. Yeah, and then Tommy Pham, who you know we've been talking about, would have been a nice guy for the Twins. Yeah. but no, the Diamondbacks got him instead. Um, and so yeah, it was kind of a weird decision, in my opinion, to send out Thielbar here. But ultimately, after looking it over. It was probably the right thing unless, you know, the Twins were like, eh, let's set out Yard-Duran you know, for two innings here. You know, right. he pitches the ninth. There's no guarantee that they they win and the, they, you know, get a run across in the ninth. So he'd probably have to pitch in the 10th as well if they really mm-hmm. want to seal the victory. And the only other right-handed options were balazovic who just pitched two, two innings. innings. yeah, so he was probably unavailable, Or Josh Winder, who, um, sorry, you were not going out in the ninth inning in a tie <laughs> right. game. Right. <laughs> Or Brent Hedrick, who's a lefty, and would have just been even even worse decision than Theelbar. Yeah. So yeah. Ultimately, Theobar did give up a solo homer to Christian Walker. Thankfully, though, uh yeah, Kepler hit a homer to tie up the game, and then Matt Wallner had his walk-off. Yeah, no, it was it was
1: interesting. I think the twins I think maybe they had something in the Scouting Report about jacks and these guys because they seemed a little hesitant to use jacks all weekend mm. um you know they, they threw him out there in this game because they were short on options and it was a close game but when he's so reliant on that slider sweeper kind of looks different depending on the day mm-hmm. um but when he's so reliant on that you gotta wonder if maybe they have something on the Diamondbacks. They hit that pitch really
0: well. And so they just wanted to uh, maybe keep him out of it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he did strike out Carroll in a 98 fastball. So yeah, exactly. It wasn't, he wasn't necessarily relying on his slider to get those whiffs for him.
1: Yeah. But I also think it's kind of nice where, um, you know, while Pagan is good, you do kind of have those two different types of setup men you can go to of, um, you know, obviously Jax can hit 97, 98 with his fastball. He's just never going to throw that many of them. Mm -hmm. Then you have Pagan who's pretty fastball cutter reliant. And so, you know, you can use those scouting reports to your advantage. You have a guy that struggles with uh, velocity. Great. Let's uh, throw Pagan out there. You have a guy that struggles with breaking pitches. Okay, uh, Jax, you're up. You know, it's, it's a nice combo to have as long as it's working. They kind of did the same thing with uh, Brock Stewart before he got hurt as
0: well. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, the the Diamondbacks had a franchise record, eight steals on the day. A couple of those were double steals, though, so it's trading just a little bit. But still, it is what it is. Um, yeah, there was the... The throw to third base, I think. I think it was Jake McCarthy trying to steal third there. And, like, it was just, it was so late. Um, And then there was the throw to second to that Julian couldn't field. Like, yeah. something about Vasquez at the plate. Like, I, I don't know if his, this is just a track record with him with where he just a, doesn't have good pop-up time. He doesn't have, a, like, a super strong arm. Um, But, yeah, the, the Diamondbacks were definitely taking advantage of it today yeah, and jeffers has gotten a lot better at
1: it too to give him credit because this is the thing about jeffers last year right is jeffers famously slow pop time couldn't get anybody out he had the arm strength but he was just really slow on it and you know to give him credit this year he went out he fixed it and now he's been one of the best defending against the run when everybody's running like crazy this
0: year mm-hmm. yeah uh I thought it was also kind of funny that um because of all these steals, they had a lot of runners at scoring position. And uh they were kind of like, you know, the twins that we like to bemoan where they were two for eleven with runners in scoring position. They left yeah. twelve men on base. Uh meanwhile the twins only had uh one were only one for three with runners at scoring position. Basically, only had three opportunities to do that. but they did come out with a win, so you know, all you know. Who cares about stats, right?
1: Yeah, when Dallas Keuchel gives up 10 base runners, you're going to have plenty of chances to score, and luckily they didn't. Yeah. I think that says more about the Diamondbacks than Keuchel, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Um, But yeah, it, it was a good series. I, I love being there in person. It was my first time at Target Field in a decade, so it was awesome to uh, get back there, spend a little more time back home. But um, yeah, the Diamondbacks – They've been on a little bit of a cold streak streak recently, but they were one of the best teams in the National League for the first three months. And so, you know, it's a a good series here to sweep them. They have a lot of really good players. They have those three really fast outfielders that can cause a lot of problems on the base paths and did. And so um, all you can do is beat the guys in front of you, and this week the Twins did, which is really great to see. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to a couple uh, last news and notes before we wrap up. So, the uh, weekly injury update. So, we already talked about Joe Ryan uh, pretty extensively, so we'll skip over that one, but he's on the injured list for a strained groin. Uh, we'll see how long he stays on the injured list. Byron Buxton also got put on the injured list for a strained hamstring. Uh, they waited a couple days, probably seeing if it would respond, but I personally think this is a good thing where I think earlier, our Earlier on in the year, they are trying to have Buxton play through a few more things. I think now, you know, with some of the cold streaks he's had, it's like, no, let's give him the 10 days. Let's see what happens. And, you know, at the end of the day, all that you're really doing is getting a few more at-bats to uh, Julian and Walner and whoever else you're going to use that DH, which isn't a bad thing right now. Yeah, I'm kind of all for that. Yeah. Um, the other move with the bullpen – Brock Stewart had a little bit of a setback and he was placed on the 68 injured list. Um, It doesn't really change when he's going to come back because he had already been out for a pretty extensive time here, but really just opens up that roster spot uh, to add Keichel. Um, But again, it's one of those things where the Twins have that information on Brock Stewart before the trade deadline. So it would have been nice to see them take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up here, Royce Lewis. Uh, he's been playing catch. He's been doing a full routine in the batting cages. Uh, I think he's also been facing some live pitching the last couple of days, which has been good. Uh, he hasn't officially been set on a rehab assignment yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, get that news before the game tomorrow morning. And then that again, puts the twins in an interesting position of, okay, what are we doing with Royce Lewis? Right. I don't think they're going to have him play center field this year. I don't think that's very likely, but can he or Julian or Polanco or somebody play first base so that we can get
0: Gallo out of the twins lineup, please. Yeah. The twins have already said, well, they said when Royce Lewis came up for the first time that he wasn't going to play in the outfield. Um, and so we'll see if, you know, Julian being up and Polanco, you know, being the third baseman for now forces the twins hands to try him in center. That being said though, the last time he was in center, it wasn't that pretty. So, uh, I'd be okay with them trying to just figure out this logjam yeah. in the infield rather than, you know, putting him in an unfamiliar position.
1: Yeah. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the twins are in a good position with, you know, kind of the breakouts they've had from their uh, prospects this year with Walner playing really well. Julian Brooks Lee just got promoted to triple a after crushing double a for the last two months, especially started off a little colder, but then he's looked like that top prospect he's supposed to be. And so with him coming up, uh relatively soon you know he'll probably play for the twins this year but he definitely will next year as long as he's decent in triple a with all those guys i think jorge polanco is pretty easily expendable i would of anybody on the team right now i would say he's most likely to get traded Mm -hmm. um and then also you put yourself in an interesting position with uh you know, you still have Lewis, Julian, Lee. One of those guys probably has to move to the outfield, most likely Royce Lewis, most likely in center field with how Byron Buxton can't play there very often. And, uh, you know, I I think given a full offseason to train and know, hey, this is what you're going to do, he has the athletic skill to pretty much play anywhere, and he would excel out there.
0: Yeah, we probably should have an episode one of these days where we just talk about our dream lineup for the 2024 season. Assuming Um, everybody's actually healthy. Yeah, assuming everyone's healthy, but... I honestly would still like to see this team with Polanco on it. I think him being as a switch hitter is is really valuable to this team. Um, But yeah, it it might not be able to happen, um, you know, depending on where all the, all the puzzle pieces lie. Yeah. I'm definitely getting ahead of myself, right. Where um,
1: the best, the best version of the 2023 twins definitely has Jorge Polanco on him. I don't think there's like an upgrade you're getting on that. Um, It's just something I kind of find myself thinking about too, with, 40-man roster crunches and everything going on, all the other things you have to think about as a baseball fan. Of, you yep. know, It's not as simple as, oh, this player is good, right? There's so many other things going on around it. Even if Jorge Polanco is good, you know, he's getting a little bit up there in age and you have all these other rookies ready to take a spot. If you can get somebody to take the salary, that's money you could use for, say, a first baseman. Um, but, yeah, well, maybe that's an episode we have to talk about in the future. I think there's a little bit right now, too, where maybe you just kind of have – Julian and Polanco and Lewis all on the team to kind of rotate through those three spots depending on who needs an off day. Uh, you know, there's a lot of underlying stats with Lewis that his good start was maybe a little lucky. He wasn't really taking any walks. He was getting a little lucky with the contact. And Jorge uh, right, Polanco, frankly, hasn't been that good. And so maybe just keep all three of them on the roster and rotate them through a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep them fresh. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, and then the last uh, bit of news that we have here is Jordan Luplo, who we mentioned already. Uh, he was claimed off of waivers from Toronto. He had played mostly for their A team. He has a career 833 OPS against lefties. Uh, he's also been bad and hurt for the past couple of years. And so there, there isn't a lot to work with here. I think uh, this year in A he has like a 950 OPS against lefties. And so he's doing what he does. He's basically Kyle Garlick, but he also plays first base. And I think that's pretty much why the twins got him. Uh, he does technically have an option remaining. And so if his roster spot does get taken by someone like Royce Lewis, you can keep him in the system, which is maybe why he's more appealing than someone like uh, Ramon Laureano or Trey Mancini or Luke Voigt. And so... I don't know if he's really ever even going to start for the twins, but he's someone who can fill a spot and maybe start instead of Gallo against a lefty.
0: Yeah. It's either that or some just really solid pinch hitting opportunities for Lip but yeah. Um, Gets it, into the
1: righty off of the bat with, or off the bench with uh, Donovan Solana.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing though, is that last year against major league major league players, uh, he was actually in Arizona, ironically, Um he had a 111 at bats against lefties and he had a 171 average and a 673 OPS. So it's, is that good. I mm, those seem like <laughs> no low numbers to me. So, uh, <laughs> they, those seem like still better than
1: what Joey Gallo's been for the last like three months, though. So. Eh, you're
0: not wrong, but also, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like
1: it's, it's a low bar to clear,
0: yeah, yeah, it's like you know, one pile of garbage compared to a smaller pile of garbage. Yeah,
1: Well, when you have a hole and you're trying to fill it with waiver pickups and free agent signings in August, you know, that this is what you got to work with.
0: Yeah. Rough.
1: Um, Okay. Quick look ahead to next week, the twins, like we mentioned before in the middle of a 13 day stretch, all with games here. Uh, So next up this week, they'll have four games in Detroit and then four games in Philly, all on the road. Um, Detroit sold off a few guys to, uh, you know, look a little bit more towards the future, but they've still been surprisingly scrappy. And uh, you never know with divisional guys like we saw with the Royals, it uh, can go very bad very quickly. And then Philly, who is kind of in a similar position as the Twins, it's just that they play in a much better division with the best team in baseball. So,
0: yeah. Um, and because yeah, of that, that, they're still sixty-one and fifty-one, which is like hilarious. Um, yeah but Um,
1: still firmly in the wild card mix over there, largely due to their star power hitting, especially Bryce Harper and uh, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Trey Turner, who's been awful, but still is Trey Turner and some level very similar to Correa in that aspect. But um, yeah, it'll be an interesting week. Detroit, uh, like we mentioned before, they sold off uh, Michael Lorenzen, but they did keep Eduardo Rodriguez, which was bad news for the twins. They tried to trade him away to the Dodgers and the Dodgers and Eduardo Rodriguez said no, basically because he wanted to be closer to family. He
0: had the no trades clause, got to use it. Good for him. But
1: again, bad news for the twins because he's a really good lefty.
0: Yeah, there was some like random rumors that I was reading that the twins were trying to trade for Erod, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, yeah, because I mean, the last thing we needed was a starting pitcher. <laughs> so yeah. I gotta imagine that would have been something where it's like.
1: Um, if they got him, it would have actually no, I think I remember what I read where it was it was gonna be like a three-team trade where they would have yeah. gotten Erod, but then Sonny Gray would have gone to the Dodgers. And would but in that case, I'm like, you're kind of just trading similar pieces. What's the you point know, of doing that? You right. know, but
0: that's right. Ken Rosenthal yeah, mentioned that had that in his article. But yeah, it just it just felt like a yeah. a strange deal for me. It's basically
1: what once he said no to the Dodgers. Uh, because he wanted to stay closer to family the dodgers were working to try to find another trade partner to keep erod a little bit more out east where his family is Mm -hmm. but then they can still pick up a pitcher so i think that was the idea and probably for the twins trouble they would have given him some low-level prospect or something like that and maybe there's an argument to be made that uh rodriguez is better than sonny gray and i don't know if i disagree with it but um yeah just an interesting thing there. I always kind of like to see the deals that don't go through as much as the ones that do mm-hmm. just to see all the crazy things teams talk about. Right. Um, all right. So that's all we have for you to, you guys today. Uh, if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. You can also check us out at Twinkytown to follow everything you need to know about the twins. And then you can check out John at pitcher list for all of your fantasy baseball needs. Uh, John, do you have a fantasy tip for this week?
0: Uh, I mean, (laughs) this is funny because Cutter Crawford is facing Kansas City and Detroit, I believe, uh, in a two-week start, um, a two-start week. And um, uh, he hasn't been, like, amazing. He only goes, like, five innings most games. But when you face the AL Central, it's always a beautiful (laughs) situation. So, um, yeah, Cutter Crawford, pick him up if you can.
1: Mine is if there's any lefty who's facing the twins, pick them up. doesn't yeah, matter who that it is. works
0: too. That works really well as well.
1: <laughs> the the righties are a little more hit and miss, but you know, the lefties are going to destroy him. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting deep into the season here. Our fantasy uh, waiver wire pickups are getting pretty limited.
0: Yeah. I guess that means that Joey Wentz and well, Errado Rodriguez are the guys that you should be trying to get. Iran's uh, definitely on a, on a roster somewhere, but maybe yeah. Joey Wentz is a guy to pick up. If you want to, you know, take advantage of this, the, you know the the twins uh being sucky for your advantage maybe maybe that's where you go yeah, if you're if you're
1: a jordan loop true believer uh he should get some run then this week so.
0: <laughs> yeah we'll see how that goes all
1: right um if you want to follow us on twitter slash x slash definitely not a porn site uh you can follow us at twins talk pod uh and you can follow john at the john cut and myself at ben jones underscore five uh john is Cracking up, and it's, I'm trying to keep it together a little bit here, but I'm just telling you the app on my phone. Uh, I saw somebody point out, it's like, there's no way uh, my girlfriend is not going to think I'm not cheating on her, like with how this app looks. And that's kind of how I feel every time I open it, but I'm still there because I get good baseball info. So. so
0: the funniest thing was that, like, when it turned into X, like the twins also changed because um, they'll put like t- a player's Twitter handles right on the big screen. Yeah, um, I and, noticed that. And have it the changed. They had the X logo there. I remember the first time I, see it, I, was, I saw it, I was like, oh, God why why is this a thing it's the worst
1: now that okay now that we're in minute uh hour and five 65 here let me give you my conspiracy theory which is that i think tr- uh elon musk is intentionally trying to tank twitter why i'm not entirely sure i'm sure there's some financial complicated reason behind it that's my conspiracy theory uh elon if you listen to this call me up i have good financial advice i don't charge that much a couple million an hour won't be
0: that much i promise yeah it's probably going to be less than the than the tax deduction was going to get off writing off twitter or something like that yeah exactly
1: all right well now that we're done with that again be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you like what you heard and then you can catch us back here next week to hopefully talk about another successful twins week uh until then go twins